With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recording to tape radio show. So, as you're listening to this, yes, it's another radio show or podcast. However, you're listening to this. If you listen to the podcast, you're going to hear, you know, much better fidelity what I'm what I'm talking about on the AM radio. You're probably not going to be able to tell one bit. But I'm recording to tape today, and not only am I recording to tape, I am recording to Type One normal tape, normal bias tape, with. No noise reduction. And I, the reason I'm doing that, I kind of debated before I hit record here uh, on the show. I was like, you know what? Am I going to record this to, do I want to record this to type 4 metal tape with Dolby Type S noise reduction, which is the best noise reduction you can get on a uh, consumer cassette deck using the best possible cassette tapes you could have purchased? I don't know if you... They probably don't still make Type 4 metal tapes. They they don't make many cassette tapes, period. Tascam has some new high-bias tapes coming out that I can't wait to uh, get a batch of, get one or two, and kind of test and put through its paces. Although Tascam says, not to get too sidetracked here, but Tascam says, uh, technically these tapes, yes, they are high-bias Type 2 tapes, but they're not the same type of, uh, of compound. They're not the same type of chemicals used... Uh, elements used in Type 2 tapes that we we remember from the 80s and 90s. I think Type 2 went back to the 70s, but kind of the the peak of Type 2 cassette tapes was 80s and early 90s. You remember you would go buy those like TDK, CD-IT tapes or um, Maxil tapes. What am I, what do I got here? I got a Maxil, no, this is a um, TDK metal tape. It's an MA-110. 110. That's kind of thin tape right there. Where's where's my high bias tape? This one that I'm holding. Yeah, TDK CD Power. It's a 90 minute tape. Uh, it's a Type 2 high bias tape. So all I was getting at is is in the 80s and 90s the formulation 
was kind of at its peak. That was those were the best high bias tapes you could get. It, uh, and they were back in that era. Tascam has said the new Type 2 tapes, due to a uh, f- like an oxide shortage, they're technically high bias tapes, but it's not the same formulation. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Formulation. They're not the same formulation. Uh, either way, I'm, I'm sure they'll still sound great, uh, especially with some noise reduction going on. People are kind of back and forth. I mean, if you go on uh, online and, and kind of Google, you know, noise reduction, DBX noise reduction, Dolby, uh, B, C, and S noise reduction, there's people kind of on both sides of the fence about it. Some people hate noise reduction. They don't want to use it at all. Matter of fact, I'm not in the I'm not in the camp that I hate noise reduction. I just think noise reduction it 100% depends on the tape deck used to record it. So Dolby B, typically I remember in a car, you know, driving around the car, putting the cassette tape in, and disabling Dolby B because you get more high end out of the tape, out of the factory recorded commercial tape. You know, you're listening to Third Eye Blind or something on cassette tape. You disengage Dolby noise reduction in your car's audio system, cassette deck, and you get more high end. It, it just sounds better. Yes, there's a little bit more hiss, but it just you don't lose any of the information in the hi hats and the upper air range of of the singer's voice or anything like that. Um, and that's kind of why I didn't like noise reduction. But having a good tape deck, I've got a Sony TCK 615S. It's a three head. Uh, tape deck with uh, all the way up to Dolby S. If you p- turn on Dolby B, uh, first of all, you calibrate the tape. You use the calibration function to calibrate the recording level and bias and, and get the meters lined up just right. It's very cathartic. This one reason I love recording the tapes. Uh, you get the meters lined up just right. And then, because it's a three-head deck, you enable Dolby B when you record something, and you can hit the monitor button and switch back and forth from what you're listening to. So you can listen to the source audio, or you can listen to what's actually on the tape. When you hit the monitors button and it, it displays tape on the uh, on the display there, you're listening to what's going down on the tape. So you can adjust the recording level and the bias, and then you A, B it between the, the the tape and the source to see, to get it to match just right. And remember, this is with Dolby B on, that you are matching it to the source sound as best as possible. And when you turn Dolby B on, or C or S for that matter, and you get the sound coming off the tape to match as closely as possible to the, to the source sound, noise reduction is amazing. And that's a roundabout way of me saying I chose today to record to type one normal bias tape with zero noise reduction as opposed to recording to type four metal tape with Dolby S noise reduction. Because if I recorded to metal tape with Dolby S noise reduction on this cassette deck, you would have absolutely no idea that I was using tape. There would be virtually no hiss. There would be no discernible hiss. Even in the quietest parts of, 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 this, of this broadcast here, of this podcast here, you wouldn't be able to hear any discernible hiss. It would be such a low noise floor that it, it might as well just be digital the whole time. Yes, technically, while you're listening to it, it's digital. Technically, while you're listening to the broadcast, it's digital, too, because I have to convert these to waves or MP3s for broadcast. doesn't matter how I deliver it to the station. If I deliver it to the station as huge wave files, when you, you upload it into the software, the, the radio station software, it automatically converts it to an MP3 of not great quality. I think it's around 160 kilobits per second. 
Either way, you're listening to this microphone going through a tube preamp, 100% tube preamp, recorded to type 1 normal bias cassette tape with no noise reduction. So if you're listening to the podcast, you should be able to hear a little bit of hiss, a little bit of nostalgia. More Geek Therapy Radio coming up. Don't go anywhere. to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. You may be wondering if you're listening to the broadcast and you're still here after the commercials and you listen to the last segment. Uh, podcast doesn't matter. But you may be wondering why I'm on a, a cassette kick again. You you are and you aren't. Longtime listeners know that I go on cassette kicks from time to time. I have a lot of listeners who got into cassettes because I talked about cassettes on the show because I do geek out from cassettes often. It's one of my, if I'm just honest with myself, it, it is one of my most major geek things. It's the geek thing that I keep turning back to as, more often than than kind of anything else. Uh, so on my desk here in my solar-powered geek therapy radio studios, uh, on my big uh, producer desk here, RTA, I think it's the RTA producer desk. It's the big one, 72 inches wide, multi-tiered. Love this desk. Uh, I've got my my Sony cassette deck, and I'll tell you the story behind it and kind of also what got me on this kick. Let me put a pin in my telling you about my cassette tech that I'm using to record the show with. Uh, and, and to be specific, I record the show into Reaper on my computer, and then I dump it onto the tape and then I dump it off the tape again back into Reaper before I upload it as a podcast and before I send it off to the radio station. So I record on the computer, then I dump it to tape, then I dump it from the tape back to the computer so it takes all the tape qualities with it. And uh, that's how I that's how I deliver it. So anyways, I, before I talk about the tape deck that I'm using, the Sony TCK 6-15S, I want to tell you kind of what got me back on this this tape kick. So a few months ago, uh, a friend gave me, he was, uh, uh, where was he? I think he was at his dad's house or something like that. And he said, hey, my dad has this uh, Tascam Porta 02 4-track uh, cassette recorder that he obviously doesn't use. He hasn't touched it in 20 or 30 years. It's in pristine condition. Do you want it? It's like, yeah, absolutely. So I have this blue uh, Tascam Porta 02. It's Mark 1. It's not the Mark 2 but it doesn't matter for what I'm about to tell you. That is Tascam Porta O2. Uh, I know a lot of you listening, maybe on the radio right now, maybe on the podcast right now, who uh, maybe were singer-songwriters or were in a band back in high school or middle school or, or college back when recording to four-track four track cassette recorders was basically the only way that you could record demos and you could record uh, your song ideas. That person listening has probably used a Tascam Porta O2. It's the blue four-track tape recorder. Whether they used a Porta or two or any manner of a four-track cassette recorder from, from Tascam mostly, uh, Fostex or even Yamaha, there were some other uh, companies that made four-track cassette recorders. Uh, 
Uh, you probably know what I'm talking about here. So I got the, the Tascam Porter O2 in pristine condition. And let me just say, right before I start tearing apart, <laughs> just eviscerating the, the Tascam Porter O2, which I made a video on my YouTube channel about this very subject, by the way, Geek Therapy Radio uh, on YouTube. Look for the red, white, and black color scheme. Uh, before I tear up the Porter O2, I just want to say that four track recorders on the whole, the reason why... They are, one reason why they are good investments, if you want to get into cassette recording, perhaps one of the only saving graces, especially for cheaper four-track cassette recorders, is that the transport mechanism is very robust. So the tape head is robust, the uh, capstan is robust, the pinch roller is robust, the motors are robust. Sometimes in these things, it's not just one motor like a normal consumer cassette decks like you would have in your car or you'd have kind of in your hi-fi at home that use one motor for playback, rewinding, and fast-forwarding. Usually in, in uh, four-track cassette recorders, you have two or three motors controlling each of those separate functions so it's all this it's not just redundancy it's instead of wearing out one motor playing and doing the fast forwarding and rewinding functions you have one motor for playback and you have another motor that takes care of rewinding another motor up to another motor taking care of fast forwarding the transport is very robust uh they and they don't so they don't break they last a really long time and they are just ready for the abuse of playing and recording and stopping and rewinding and playing and recording and stopping because that's what it was used for. It was used for uh, musicians back in the day to record demos and record song ideas and they're constantly punching in and out and recording the tracks. I'm going to record the drums to track one. All right, I'm going to record the bass to track two. All right, I'm going to record the guitars to track three and then the vocals to track four. That was kind of a basic layout, although if you want to get technical with it, uh, some people would record the higher energy material to the inner tracks so you record the drums because of the kick drum and everything to the track number two an interior track and then the bass to track number three an interior track theoretically because it has more could possibly have some more real estate to record onto the magnetic particles and then you leave the less the the least energy stuff to the outside so the vocals on the fourth track and maybe the guitars on track one there's another school of thought here is that you don't want the, the drums and the, and the bass right next to each other on tracks. That on a four-track recorder, maybe you would do the, the, um, uh, the drums on like track three because the kick drum might have the most energy. Uh, and then the uh, bass drum or the bass guitar over on track one. So there's always a track between the two highest energy, uh, uh, highest energy tracks, highest energy instruments, so that you avoid bleed of the bass guitar going into the drum track or you avoid bleed of the kick drum going over to the bass. There's all sorts of different theories. That's a whole nother show to talk about four track uh, recording theory. But before I eviscerate the Porter O2, let me just say that uh, four-track tape recorders have very robust transports. That being said, so that's one draw to them. That being said, the Porter O2, I went on eBay and I was like, okay, Porter O2s, I know the cassette comeback is a thing and they're, they're all hyped right now, but the Porter O2 was not the greatest uh, four-track cassette recorder in the world. There's no way these things are going for more than $50, like in pristine condition on eBay. Go to eBay and look at Porter O2s. These things are collecting 200, 250, 300, sometimes over $300, and it just boggles my mind. And I'll tell you why it boggles my mind. The noise floor on the Porter O2 is atrocious. 
And like I said in my video, you might be saying to yourself, oh, that's this, you know, tape hiss. That's a noise floor. Of course, it's going to have a high nose floor. It's tape hiss. There's no noise reduction on a board O2. So, yeah, the, the, the hiss of the tape is going to be high. That's not what it is. The machine with no tape inside it, and I demonstrated this on the video that I made, the machine with no tape inside it gives off its own just noise. It's a, And it's actually high noise. It's hard to... to uh, um, uh, demonstrate on on uh, YouTube or with with like podcasts and stuff. But if you have a Porto two and you plug in the headphones to the headphone jack, even with the volume all the way down and no tape in the deck, there is just a coming out the headphone jack. And the same thing with the line outputs. If you just plug in some studio monitors into the line outputs, volume all the way down, no tape in the deck. It not even playing that the thing is just it's just on all you've done is powered on the Porta O2 all you're going to hear from the outputs is it's not deafening but it, it's loud enough to be on everything so let's say you record to tape first of all the Porta O2 can only has a frequency response of uh, I think it's it's 50 or 60 hertz I think it's 50 hertz which is not too too bad up to 12,000 hertz which is bad, and I demonstrated that on the video. It doesn't have a very high frequency response, high frequency range, and the signal-to-noise ratio is like 46 dB. It's ridiculous, plus the noise floor of the machine itself. So I tell you this in this segment as kind of a cautionary tale. There are better four tracks around for the same price. I can't rattle them off for you right now, but if you can find like a Tascam 414 or 424, something like that, or even older models, they sound much better. The frequency response isn't much different recording at normal tape speed. Like if you can only record at normal tape speed, then you're going to get the kind of 50 to 12.5K frequency response. But if you can record at a higher tape speed, double tape speed, you can get that from like 50 hertz all the way up to like 16 kilohertz, which is sounds really, really good. I'm just saying cautionary tale, Porta O2. You'll see them around if you want to get back into four track cassette recording. You can do better than the Porta O2. That's not the type of hiss that people are talking about nostalgically. Not machine hiss, hiss, just low tape hiss. That shouldn't be a factor. More Geek Therapy Radio, don't go anywhere. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. Just a reminder, if you're listening to the radio, I recorded this radio show on a Type 1 normal bias tape with no noise reduction. So does that matter for AM radio? Probably not, but you can definitely tell on the podcast. It should still sound really good. I'm using a really good cassette deck to record this to uh, that allows me to calibrate the tape and... Uh, 
even with no noise reduction, even with some hiss, it should still sound uh, pretty good. So in the last segment, I talked mostly about the Porta O2, but I promised that I would talk about my specific tape deck. Now, what I'm gonna do here real quick, the, the model is the Sony uh, TC-K615S, and I'm gonna go on eBay right now uh, as I'm recording here. I'm gonna see if any of them show up on eBay and see how much they would cost on eBay. So I'm just gonna type in K615S and see if any come up here. Holy moly. Uh, do, 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 do. There's one that's been refurbished for $440 plus $25 for shipping. There's one that's parts only for $190. There's another parts only for $250. There's a few belts around here, one for $11, one for $20. Do, 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 do. So I see two decks here. Uh, one parts, one of them is parts only for, or two of them are parts only. $190 and then there's another one for $250 parts only and then there's one that says refurbished for $440 that's That is a solid chunk of change. I would say though So if you type in like Nakamichi dragon, let's type in Nakamichi dragon Nakamichi dragon and see how much that deck costs Here's the first one that pops up $4,990 for a cassette recorder, and then what is the shipping on this? $180 of shipping. Uh, so, here's here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. This Nakamichi Dragon here is the top of the line. This it's arguably the best cassette deck that has ever been made in the history of time. You can get a frequency response out of a metal tape on the Nakamichi Dragon between 20 hertz and over 22,000 hertz, just on high bias tape. Uh, the signal-to-noise ratio, I believe, uh, achievable by the Nakamichi Dragon is something on the order of, uh, like, 95 dB of, of signal-to-noise. Um, let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see here if it shows it on the listing here. Transport. Of course, it's three-head. Um, it can do type 1, 2, and 3 tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it say... It doesn't say it doesn't say here, but if you do your research on the Nakamichi Dragon uh, signal to noise ratio, and why don't I just do that since I've got the Google open here, Nakamichi uh, Dragon signal to noise ratio. Let's see what we can pull up. Signal to noise. I want to say it's over ninety, um, especially with. Uh, Especially with noise reduction, like if you use Dolby S noise reduction or even Dolby C, I think you can get it much higher than that. So it's saying right here 74 uh, dB of uh, signal to noise ratio, but that's with no noise reduction. I know that on my I know that on my Sony deck, I can get 85 dB of noise reduction of signal to noise ratio with um, Dolby S noise reduction enabled. These, and here's, that's kind of my point here with this. When you're talking about 85 dBs of signal to noise ratio or 90 dB of signal to noise ratio, I believe CDs, 16-bit 44K uh, CDs are like 96 dB of signal to noise ratio. So the best cassette decks using good cassette tapes approached near as makes 
absolutely no audible difference, the same signal-to-noise ratio as pure digital. Uh, so I'm going to type in CD uh, signal-to-noise ratio signal to noise ratio. I want to say it's 96 because of... And it, yeah, see, it says, it, it depends. It depends on the, the CD deck because every machine is going to kind of introduce its own noise floor. That's why I said that the Porter O2 has a very high noise floor uh, because the machine itself, the machine itself uh, adds its own noise. And yeah, as I'm reading here, I'm pulling this off of a website somewhere. The dynamic range of a Red Book audio CD, that is kind of like the, 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 the standard for audio CDs used by the recording industry, and it's agreed upon by international communities and all that stuff. The dynamic range of a Red Book audio CD at 16-bit, 44.1 kilohertz, is commonly cited as 90 dB, 96 dB, and 98 dB. And that is about where the top of the line cassette decks could do towards the end of the run. Um, I would say towards the late 80s and kind of mid 90s, early to mid 90s. Good cassette decks approach that signal to noise ratio. My Sony TCK615S can do 85 dB of signal to noise, which here's the thing that is a. That's a very low noise floor. That is a very, very high fidelity. This deck can also do up to, uh, it's it's like 20 to 20 kilohertz um, frequency response that you can record to tape. It's very good. So 20 to 20K frequency response and up to 85 dB of signal to noise ratio using a metal tape and Dolby S noise reduction. You wouldn't be able to tell it apart. If you were just listening to Alter Bridge on a CD or an MP3, actually, if you listen to Alter Bridge MP3 and then listen to it pure from a cassette tape, this cassette would sound better. Listen to the hi-hats. The way you can tell a, a crappy MP3 is the hi-hats just break apart. That high frequency information, it just it disintegrates and it sounds trash on an mp3 compared to listening to like a 24-bit flack or a WAV file or something where that, that hasn't been the, the data hasn't been compressed so anyways i want to talk about the the story behind this cassette deck first i'll just say if you are looking for cassette decks on ebay or wherever you're finding them look for a three head cassette deck a three head cassette deck is how you can monitor you can switch between the source on the deck to listen to the source material you're recording and then listen to what's coming up off of the tape that is only achievable with the three head deck most decks you'll find if you cruise around ebay and it's a two head deck you can't listen to what's going on to the tape you can't listen as you're recording to what's going on and coming off of the tape so that you can match and get the settings just right to make sure that what's on tape sounds as close as possible to the, the source material that is something you can only do with the three head deck so that's my advice to you is save a few extra pennies if you want to go out there and you're specifically looking for a good deck look for a three head deck i don't care what kind of it says about the capstan or what the the head is made out of more than i care about that it's a three head deck because that allows you much more control that's allow that allows you to make much more much higher quality recordings and three head decks typically have better noise reduction they always have dolby b usually they have dolby c on a three head deck and if you're in a high-end deck it'll have 
Dolby S and HX Headroom expansion. Headroom HX Pro, you'll see on decks, that has that's not noise reduction at all. That has something to do with the bias being automatically adjusted to allow more high frequency material through as the program material, as the source material dictates. It's not noise reduction, it just adjusts the bias on the fly. Really what happens is when you low, lower the bias, you get more high end frequency response, but you also get more hits, more hiss. When you increase the bias on a deck, you get less hiss, but less kind of high end frequency response. And what HX Pro does, Headroom Extension does, is it adjusts that bias on the fly. So if you're listening to Alter Bridge and it's just bashing away on the cymbals or something like that, then it automatically raises, or lowers, I should say, the bias in those parts so that those cymbals come through nice and realistic sounding and it sounds great. HX Pro is great. And you'll find them on high-end decks, such as three-head decks, that typically also have uh, Dolby C and Dolby S noise reduction. Dolby S noise reduction plays well with Dolby B noise reduction. So let's say you recorded on a deck with Dolby S noise reduction and then you're going to go play back the tape in a car or something. For some reason, the car has a cassette deck in it. Uh, you can enable Dolby B noise reduction on a, on a tape that's been recorded with Dolby S and it will still sound uh, amazing. Dolby C is the redheaded stepchild of, of noise reduction. Uh, so people, some people like Dolby C noise reduction. Some people like don't like Dolby C, but most people like Dolby S and some people even like Dolby B. Some people don't like noise reduction at all. Uh, I, I feel like such a, a butthole. I want to tell you about this deck, but I'm running out of time in this segment. I promise segment four is going to be all about the history and backstory of my Sony TCK 615S. It was my dad's tape deck. I was mentioning that to a, a soft. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, on Twitter, that it was my dad's tape deck. And let me just tell you a little bit more of that story coming up here in the next segment. Let me plug on the way out. Geek Therapy Radio and your favorite podcast app. Just type in Geek Therapy Radio or Geek Therapy Radio Podcast, whatever, in your favorite podcast app. Look for the red, white, and black color scheme, and that's me. Same exact thing goes for all social media, and same thing goes for YouTube. Type in Geek Therapy Radio, look for the red, white, and black color scheme, and that's me. Also, geektherapyradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. For the radio audience who may just be joining me, I've been talking about cassette tapes and cassette decks. And I promised the listeners, I promised that I would talk about my cassette deck, which, by the way, you are listening to right now. I have recorded the show down onto this cassette deck with type 1 normal bias tape and no noise reduction. And then I recorded that back into the computer, and that's what you're listening to. You're listening to this podcast and radio show off of a cassette tape. Uh, so let me tell you about my cassette deck now, since I've been promising it the whole show. Here's the story behind it. Let me just tell you a little bit about the deck. Again, the model number of my particular cassette deck is the Sony TC-K615S. It's a three-head uh, cassette deck with Dolby S noise reduction. Uh, Headroom Extension Pro, HX Pro. Uh, it has calibration controls for bias and recording level. Uh, like I said, noise reduction uh, D or sorry, B, C, and S. 
and it's all controlled with logic controls. That basically means that there's no physical connection between the play button and the, the mechanism it's it's controlled by, by circuit boards and logic processors. Uh, it's a very good deck. It, it is considered a, I would say it's considered kind of a prosumer deck. My dad used this thing. He probably got it, I think it came out early 90s. He recorded, I have a box full of probably 60 or 70 tapes of mostly high bias and metal tapes sitting in a closet, which I know some of you hear that. You got a just a box of dozens of metal tapes. Do you know how much those sell for on eBay? I do know how much they sell for on eBay. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go on eBay right now and just look up random Type 4 metal tape and tell you how much they're selling per cassette. So Type 4 metal. Here's one tape for uh, $21. Here's another one for $25. Here's a lot of 10 for $172. Here's one tape, Sony Metal ES90 Type 4 Metal Bias Tape Seal Japan 1988, $40. So between $20 and $40 is about the cost of one single cassette tape. And I've got a, <laughs> I've got dozens of them just sitting in a closet. They're not for sale. Uh, I'm holding a, a metal tape right now that has been recorded on this deck. I'm not going to play it back or anything like that, but it's a uh, uh, it's a TDK MA110 Type 4 metal take, tape, and what my dad had recorded onto it is Woodstock 1969. So, Woodstock on a Type 4 metal tape recorded with a baller tape deck. Of course it's going to sound absolutely astounding. So, the story behind this, uh, my Sony tape deck here, is that my uh, my dad was going to uh, toss it or throw it away or give it away. I think this was around 2010 or 11, somewhere around there, somewhere between 2000, excuse me, 2009 and, yeah, that was, that's what it would have been, 2009 and, no, it's before that, 2007 and 2010. Somewhere in there, he was going to give away this deck because it was it wasn't working. And I was just, and I was curious about it because I'm a geek about all things and I'm a recording engineer and I went to school for all this stuff. And I, and I knew enough at the time to know, hey, a three-head tape deck, I, I didn't know much about cassette tapes, you know, I wasn't a geek about cassettes that I am now, but I knew enough to know that this deck is pretty good. I think he spent close to a, how much was it back when he got it in 1993? It was several hundred dollars, like I said, prosumer deck. Anyways, at this point in time, around 2007, 2009-ish, somewhere in that area, I would ballpark. It didn't work. I said, Dad, don't, I'll, I'll take it. And he's like, if you, he goes, if you can fix it, you can keep it. Otherwise, it's, it's just junk that's going to be laying around. So I took it and I replaced the belt. I researched it a little bit. Internet was a thing still, you know, all the way back in 2007. I said, oh, it just needs a new belt. So I replaced the belt on it and it worked great. Um, I made awesome recordings with it. That's where I really honed my abilities with recording high quality cassette recordings was with this deck and all it needed was a belt. I made a video on YouTube that MKBHD used a clip of when he was doing his uh, consumer rights video uh, where I was was repairing an old Sony Walkman and in the video I just said, hey, your Walkman or your cassette deck probably still works. All it needs is a belt. 90% of the time, all your broken cassette player needs is a belt. And I demonstrated how to change the belt. And it's the same process for, like I said, 90% of any cassette 
device anywhere. Just get into it, find where the belt melted or deteriorated, get it off, clean up the the pulleys and, and motor and motors, any the tape pad or the, the path the belt path, clean it all up. Put a new belt on there. You can still find belts. They're they are still rel- readily available. Anyways, that's how I fixed this cassette deck, the Sony TCK615S, and it sounds amazing. So the current state of the deck, though, it's I feel that it's probably it is very long in the tooth now. It has gotten way more use out of it than Sony, I think, ever anticipated this cassette deck to ever have. Remember what I mentioned uh, back at the beginning of the show, that one of the draws, even for kind of sound quality flaws of lower end four track cassette recorders, one of the benefits of four track cassette recorders is that their transport is very robust and they last a very long time. Playing and recording, stopping, fast forwarding, playing, stopping, recording, fast forwarding, that's what four track cassette recorders are made for, to record music demos onto from with bands uh, consumer tape decks transports are a little bit more delicate and i don't think sony ever anticipated this model of three head cassette deck being used all the way from 1993 to what is it 2022 now like we're going on 30 years at least that this deck has been in service and sony i don't think they ever had any any intention of making it last that long. I think they thought, okay, well, this will last as long as belts last. And by that time, like by the time they're making this deck, they're also, they've already been producing millions upon millions of CD players and mini disc players. Shout out to Colin. This does not compute. So they're like, yeah, this, this is the kind of the best of the best tape deck. And next, the next purchase a consumer who buys this deck is going to make is most likely going to be CD player. So that's where this deck sits. I don't think they anticipated it lasting this long. The current state of it is that I think the plastic cogs and gears, because they are plastic cogs and gears in this thing, are starting to slip sometimes. Like if I if I'm utilizing the transport in a certain position on the plastic gears, then I think some of the teeth uh, are not uh, are 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 slipping or aren't as strong or maybe cracked because it seems like every fourth or fifth time I try to rewind it just doesn't work it just kind of stops or the tape moves slowly and then stops or kind of binds up a little bit and stops so I have to hit stop and then hit rewind again and then it goes slow and then I hit stop and then I hit rewind again and it goes full speed perfect like everything's fine so I think I'm at that stage with this tape deck where the actual kind of the plastic mechanism inside is 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 uh I won't say on its last legs but it's kind of getting there and I want to end up end this by kind of on that point talking about the seat the the uh, con, uh, sorry cassette revival, and that there's a lot of hype around cassette decks and just to be careful about what you buy. I, if I was rich, I'd buy a Nakamichi. Um, I'm not rich, and, and part of what scares me about the Sony my Sony deck going out is like by the time it goes out and I'm cruising around eBay or, or trying to find another cassette deck of this caliber it's going to be extremely expensive and i'm going to have to basically be hunting estate sales and going to garage sales and seeing if i can luck out somewhere and whatever is going to be out there is going to need some work so just be careful of that know you're going to pay you're going to pay a premium for a high quality cassette deck and and i would say half of that premium is because the cassette comeback the other half of people in the cassette comeback are going to be disappointed this sounds crappy they're going to buy a crappy boom box from 1995 and It's just going to be terrible. So you get what you pay for. Most of all, you are worthy of love. You are worthy of giving love, receiving love, and you are worthy of your own self-respect. Thank you so much for listening. Email me, johnny at geektherapyradio.com. Take care. I love y'all. See you later.
If you'd like to sponsor Geek Therapy Radio, just go to geektherapyradio.com and let's talk. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.